Well, do I have some encouraging words for you? We are in the final week of the year 2020. I mean, that is the music to my ears, you know, confetti and noisemakers and fireworks. Yeah, right? I mean, what a year. You know, you could say that maybe at the end of every year, but especially 2020, what a year. A global pandemic has gripped our planet There have been demonstrations in the streets all summer long, not only here in the U.S., but all over the world. We've had probably the longest, most contentious presidential election maybe in the history of our country. It has been a crazy year. And I'm going to guess that you, this is not the year that you planned for, right? When you look back at what you had on the calendar when 2020 was just starting, Uh, you probably had to mark some things off. You may have had a trip or a vacation plan that you probably didn't get to take. You probably had goals that maybe you weren't able to reach, understandably so. It's been a difficult, interesting, up-and-down, turbulent, unpredictable, unprecedented year. And it's maybe not been the year that you had hoped for. Not, Not just that you didn't plan, but you didn't hope for certain things to happen that happened. Maybe this year has been a fearful year, maybe even a tragic year, a disappointing year for you. But as we end the year, I want to ask this question. This is what we're going to focus on today. Was this year, with all of its unpredictability and all of its ups and downs and all of its drama and all of its disappointment, was this year a total waste? Was it a total flop? I hope not. I hope that you've seen some silver linings in this year. I hope that you've learned some lessons in this year. And so what we're going to do today on the final message of 2020 is we're going to do something I've never done before. Uh, We're going to do something that I'm going to call a rewind. And we're going to look back at kind of a 30,000 foot view of the series that we started the year with. So we started the year 2020 with a series called 2020, talking about perfect vision for your life in the new year and beyond. And this series looked at the seven churches at the beginning of the book of Revelation, the final book of the Bible. And we looked each week at these seven churches and what we wanted to take away for the coming year of 2020 to look forward to to help us get through the year. Now, we didn't know, I didn't know, none of us knew what was going to happen in the weeks and months following this series. But what I found as I've looked through what we talked about are the the main ideas from each week have translated perfectly through this crazy year. The things that we wanted to highlight to prepare ourselves for 2020 still ring true at the end of 2020. Yes, even a year like this that is crazy and unpredictable and unprecedented, the things that we focused on at the beginning of the year are still valuable now at the end of the year. So I want to go through eight key things that we talked about. Now, I know an eight-point sermon sounds a lot. Don't panic, don't worry, we're going to try to breeze through them pretty quick, but really just kind of hit the highlights of this series and look at eight key words that I believe not only hopefully got you through this year, but will continue to get you through next year and the years to come. So the first word that we looked at in this series on the opening week was this word, relationship. We looked at John, the author of the book of Revelation in the opening week, and and highlighted the importance of his relationship with Jesus. 
Now, the cool thing about Revelation is his revelation. He has this vision. Jesus comes to him as John is now an old man. He was a follower of Jesus as a young man. But now he's an old man on an island by himself, and Jesus visits him. He has this amazing vision of Jesus. He has this amazing spiritual experience with Jesus. But that's not the highlight for John. The important thing that we talked about with John was his relationship with Jesus. The vision that he had of Jesus and the experience that he has with Jesus in Revelation were not possible without his relationship. That's the most important thing. And as much as we want to experience all that Jesus has for us, as much as we want the the cool things and the miracles and the signs and wonders and all the kind of the feely good stuff, the key when you narrow it down is our relationship with Jesus. So here's the main idea for this word. Your life vision will only be as good and your purpose will only be as meaningful as your relationship with Jesus. 2020 may have really knocked you for a loop, but hopefully it hasn't knocked you out. 2020 may have caught you by surprise, but it didn't catch God by surprise. So if you find at the end of this year that you are just beaten down, that you've kind of lost your sense of purpose, that you feel like you're in a total tailspin, let me encourage you now at this point to strengthen that relationship with Jesus. It's not about praying more prayers. It's not about needing more stuff. It's about your relationship with Jesus. That's the only thing that's going to get you through. It's what's gotten me through this year. I'll be honest, right? It's been uh, difficult and frustrating at times. It's been fearful at times. It's been confusing at times. You don't know what's coming next or what's going to happen next. That relationship with Jesus, it's the only thing that's going to get you through. And that's true for next year and the year after and the year after. Because who knows what's going to happen next year? Who knows what the next chapter is going to be? But if our relationship with Jesus is solid and secure, he will get us through anything. That relationship will get us through anything. The next word that we talked about in our series 2020 that we're going to revisit today in this rewind is consistency. Consistency is key. And and we talked about in the whole series each week, I want our church to be a church of consistency. And I want your life of faith to be a life of consistency. But that requires two things. It requires no compromise and no condemnation. Let's talk about both of those for just a second. So no compromise means that if you're a Christ follower, you know that Jesus is the truth. You know that he is, he says, the way, the truth, and the life. And so no matter what society says, no matter how truth changes in our culture, you know, now it's not just my opinion, now everything is my truth. It's not my outlook on things, it's my truth. That's not how reality works. There is the truth. And so we want to not compromise on the truth, no matter what everyone around us or everything around us says or does. But on the flip side of that, we also don't want to live a life of condemnation either. As Christ followers, we're called to love. We're called to accept. We're called to show grace to people. Despite their flaws, despite our differences, even despite their hostility toward our belief system, our faith, the truth, while we don't want to compromise, we also don't want to condemn. We want to show love and grace to those around us. And if we do that as a church we'll be consistent. 
We won't have to change with the blowing of the wind of culture because we'll be rock solid in the truth without compromising, but also in love. We don't have to backtrack and apologize and edit what we said and did because we're just living the truth in a loving way. Same is true for your life. I don't want you to compromise the truth based on how you feel or what you've gone through this year or what other people around you say or how the culture changes. I want your life to be rock solid without compromising the truth. But I also want your life to be a hallmark of love and of grace to people around you, not knocking them down, not opposing them in a hostile way, but loving them uh, through whatever disagreement or difference you might have with them. No compromise and no condemnation leads to a life of consistency, and that's a hallmark of a follower of Jesus. And the third word that we're going to look at and revisit in our rewind today is this word, impact. I want our church to be a church of impact. I want your life to be a meaningful life of impact. But there is also a key to that. In order to have impact, you can't have excuses. You see, you can make excuses or you can make an impact, but you can't make both. You can make excuses about why you can't get things done, why you can't fulfill God's plan, why you can't do this or that or make a difference, but you're not going to make an impact if you're too busy making excuses. And you know, for our church, we have a lot of excuses that we could make, right? We could say, well, we're a small church, so we can't really do a lot. We can't do as much as everybody else or that church or that organization. We're just too small. You might even say in your life, I'm pretty insignificant. I'm just little old me. What difference can I possibly make? Well, you can make excuses or you can make an impact, but you can't make both. And also with our church, we could say we have limited resources. And being a small church, we don't have a ton of resources. And so, you know, we're just kind of hamstrung and our hands are tied behind our back. And we just can't do what we want to do, what we feel like God maybe wants us to do. We're not going to make an impact that way. Maybe in your life as well, you'd say, this year's been hard, and, you know, monetarily, I don't have a lot of extra to give and make an impact. I don't have a lot of extra time to give and make an impact. You can make excuses, or you can make an impact, but you can't make both. And even this year with all of its turbulence, even with the pandemic, as a church, we could have used that as an excuse. Well, you know, we, we don't have a lot of resources to be able to meet needs, and we, we have to do it in a different way. I don't really know that we can do that. Maybe in your life, it's the same way. You use the the pandemic as an excuse to not make an impact, to shut yourself in, to become insular. But in fact, what this year, this pandemic has shown us is there are more needs than ever, which means while there might be more excuses to make than ever, there's really more opportunity to make an impact than ever. So let me say this one more time. If you haven't got sick of it yet, I'll say it again. You can make excuses or you can make an impact, but you can't make both. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to make an impact. Don't let anything stop you from what God is calling you and challenging you to do in and through your life. Make an impact. As a church, we don't want to use excuses. We want to make an impact. That's the challenge as followers of Jesus. And then the fourth word that we looked at as we're, we're going to revisit today is this word, come back. This word, come back. So we looked this week this specific week in our series at this church in the city called Smyrna. And they're a pretty small church, and Jesus tells them in his message to them, he sees that they're enduring a lot of suffering. They're enduring persecution, and they're really poor, and they're destitute. And so he tells them, though, you can make it. 
You can withstand suffering. You can withstand persecution. You can withstand not having resources around you. And if you do, in the end, you'll be promised a crown of life. Now, this message is not just for this one specific church in Revelation. This is also for all believers in Jesus, all followers of Jesus, including you and I. So Jesus, in in John chapter 16, tells his disciples, and I believe tells us today, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So Jesus tells his disciples, he's telling them all this so they can have peace. So he's going through this time where he's giving them kind of what's coming next. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise from the dead. But then I'm going to ascend into heaven, and I won't be with you physically any longer. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to help you, but I'm not going to be here. Things will look different. And like this year, the disciples maybe are panicking a little bit. Like you maybe have experienced this year, the disciples are fearful about the unknowns of the future. Like maybe you've experienced this year, they are full of fear and they just don't know what's going to happen if they can even make it. But Jesus makes them two promises here, two guarantees that he makes to you and to me today. One maybe not so good and one really good. The, The first promise or guarantee Jesus makes is, on this earth you will suffer. If you're living and breathing, if you're a human, at some point in your life you will experience suffering. You will experience setbacks. Maybe not so great, but it's a guarantee. It's a promise. Jesus says it will happen. But the second promise, the second guarantee is, I have overcome the world. And in the middle of those two phrases, those two promises or guarantees, he says, take heart. Another way to phrase that would be, don't fear. You know, this year has been full of fear. It's been the year of fear, no doubt. No doubt, and I'm sure even you've experienced, no matter how strong your faith or my faith might be, there have been moments of fear, especially this year. But Jesus makes this promise, even when you have setbacks, don't fear because he's overcome. Even when you face suffering or you're destitute or face persecution for your faith, whatever that setback is, you don't have to fear because your setback, Jesus is setting up for a great comeback. No matter how difficult it seems, no matter how the odds are stacked against you, no matter how much the worries and cares of life have piled on you in 2020, take heart. Don't fear because Jesus has overcome, which means he's setting you up for an epic comeback in your life. Don't fear. Take heart. And the next word that we looked at that we're going to revisit today is this word, mission. So Jesus talks next to the church in the city of Philadelphia, and here's what he says to them. He says, I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. So Jesus encourages this church, I've positioned you on purpose for a purpose. I want you to be a church on mission. And even physically, literally, where they are geographically placed. He's saying, hey, you're in a strategic area of the world. If you can make this mission happen, you're going to see great things happen in your church and through your church. I believe Jesus would say the same thing to us. You know, because the same mission he gave to that church in Revelation is the same mission that still exists for us today. The same mission that every single individual and follower of Jesus in that church in Philadelphia is the same mission that each of us have today. 
Jesus echoes his mission in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. This is called the Great Commission. This is the mission that he has for each of us and for us collectively as a church. Here are some of the final words that Jesus ever says on this planet. He says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So now here's the mission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So here is how you know if you're a church on mission. The mark of a great church is not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. Let me say that again. The mark of a great church is not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. Now, I'm not a math guy, but I did some math this week, and including right now, we have been exclusively online 20 weeks this year, 20 out of 52 weeks this year we've been exclusively online. So that means for nearly half of this year, this building has been empty. The building has been closed, but our church has never been closed. We have always been, we are now, and by God's grace, we will always be a church on mission. Even if we're having church online, we're still church on a mission. And so with that being said, I hope that this year you've, you've seen and noticed two things about church, kind of two sides of the same coin. First, I hope you've noticed the importance of a literal, physical gathering of the people of God. I hope that, especially if you're a regular one-seer at first century, I hope that you've kind of missed those 20 weeks apart. You know, because for a week or two, it's kind of nice to lounge at home and watch church on your big screen, on your couch, with your orange juice and your muffin. It's kind of nice to kind of lounge in your bed and your pajamas and watch church at home. For a while, maybe that's kind of neat, kind of cool, kind of comfy. But man, 20 weeks of that, I'm tired of talking to this camera. I'm just telling you guys, okay? I'm tired of doing this online. It's kind of what we've had to do for different reasons at different times in this unprecedented year. But I hope that, like me, you have you've felt a loss in meeting together. I hope you've sensed kind of that longing to, hopefully very soon here, get back together in person. Uh, it's just not the same w when we're apart. So I hope that you've felt that, as I have. But also, if we are a church on mission, it's not about, again, the seating capacity. It's about the sending capacity. So I hope that as much as we've seen the importance of the literal, physical gathering of the church, that we've also seen that that's not the point of the church. It's an important part of the church, but it's not the entire point of the church. The point of a church is to be the church. And this is something that we said literally from the first day of first century. Church is not a place, it's people. You know, because in the, in the almost six-year history or so of our church, we've met in other churches, we've met in, uh, you know, ballrooms, you know, we've met in community centers, we've met in a school. So it's not about the place that we meet, it's about who meets in that place any given time. So even when we get back to physical meeting together on a weekly basis, that's not the point. The point is what we do the other six days of the week. 
I hope that's true for your life. I hope that you've seen it's not about you coming together for one hour or so, one day a week or a couple times a week. Oh, that's important. But the mission of your life is what you do the rest of the time, how you live out your faith on a daily basis, how you walk the talk on a regular basis. That's the point. That's the mission. And I hope that's true for your life. And I hope that that continues to be true for our church. We keep living on mission. And the next word that we're going to focus on for a minute today is this idea of a heart check. A heart check. So the next church that Jesus talks to in Revelation is the church in Ephesus. Now, this church, this this is uh, the largest city of all the seven he talks to, maybe the largest, most well-established, well-respected church of all the seven, the most well-known, and yet he has a pretty strong rebuke for this church. Let's look at it here for just a second. So it's Revelation 2, verses 4 and 5. Jesus says, But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. So in this vision or revelation that John has of Jesus, Jesus is walking amongst seven lampstands, each one representing each of these churches. And as he's walking and stops at the Ephesus lampstand, he says, famously, the, the way we've probably heard it phrased is, you've lost your first love. You've forgotten the point. To tie back into the previous church, you've forgotten your mission. You've forgotten why you exist. And if you don't remember, I'm going to remove your lampstand. He's going to take basically his favorite blessing off this church. So as a church, here's what I want to focus on as we kind of have this heart check for a second. I want us to make sure that our best days are still ahead of us. I want to make sure that we're still focused in on what God has for us to do. I want us to have this heart check. And as we're at the end of the year, we kind of always reevaluate personally. We look past in what we've done or maybe haven't done or accomplished or haven't accomplished, and we anticipate the new year. So as we're kind of in this mindset at the end of the year, I want you to evaluate your spiritual life. I want you to have this heart check spiritually. Are you as in love with Jesus now as you were in January? Is he as important to you as he was a year ago, two years ago, five years ago? Are you as invested in what God is doing in the world as you were a year ago, two years ago, five years ago? Or has your kind of fire died out? Have you lost your first love? This is a great opportunity here at the end of the year to kind of rekindle that flame, to rekindle that passion that maybe you had for Jesus before, but you're like, that was in the rearview mirror. I want your best day spiritually to be ahead of you. I want your greatest days of impact to still be ahead of you. And it starts today. Let's have this heart check. Let's have this evaluation moment where we say, okay, God, how can I improve tomorrow where I am today spiritually? How can next year be an even greater year spiritually? That's why I really want to encourage you to get involved in this 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's going to start here in a couple of weeks. I really want you to think about fasting and praying and really honing in, really zoning in on what God wants to do in your life spiritually in the coming year. I want you to really think about how you can go deeper in your faith than ever before, how you can really have this heart check moment to really just, you know, have a greater year than you've ever experienced before. 
Then the seventh word that we're going to focus on for a minute is this idea of self-reliance. Self-reliance. Now, this is a word that we want to avoid. And the church that Jesus talks to here is in the city of Laodicea. And he famously tells them, hey, you as a church, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, Jesus says, I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. The mistake that this church made is they tried to just do church instead of be the church. You can't do that. They tried to do all the activities of church without the spirit of Jesus helping them to do the things they were doing. It was a ritual. It was a chore. It was a routine. It wasn't just self-reliance. It was really self-indulgence. They'd become too comfortable and too complacent to stay on mission. They relied upon themselves to do church instead of being the church. You can't do church. Church is not an activity. Church is an organism. And so we as the church, as an organism, as the body of Christ, we need the breath of God to infuse all that we do. We have to have purpose in what we do. We can't just be busy. We can't just brag about, oh, we have 17 ministries going on. There might be a bunch of dead weight there. We might be too self-reliant on our programs. Instead, we want to have intentionality in what we do. That's been a big focus that I've tried to have all along throughout the history of our church is, why are we doing this? Why do we want to start this? Why do we want to do this thing or that ministry or that outreach? Does it have purpose? Does it have value to the kingdom? Does it really make a difference in reaching people in our community? If not, we're not doing it. If it doesn't serve a purpose, a greater purpose, then we're not going to bother wasting our time on our self-reliance and self-indulgence. I want to also, we have to battle self-reliance on a personal level too. So have you maybe tried to be too self-reliant this year? Have you tried to just push through the pandemic? Have you put too much weight on yourself and right now you are tired? There are cracks in your armor. There are chinks in your armor. You're about to wave the white flag and give up because you tried to rely on yourself too much this year. Don't do it. Don't fall into the self-reliance trap. We have to rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit to infuse all that we do. We need the breath of God to wash over our lives and over our church in order to stay on mission, in order to be effective, in order to make the impact that God has for us. We have to rely upon Him no matter what happens. This is a year of all years that we should have relied more on Christ, and yet I'm afraid too often we try to do it ourselves. We get tired and frustrated and beaten down and just give up. So again, rely upon him. Rely upon Jesus as never before. Not only right now, but in the coming year and years that are ahead of us. Then the final word that we talked about in this series that we're revisiting in our rewind is this word, faithfulness. Faithfulness. Now this is similar to the previous two churches in that this church is guilty of basically you know, leaning on their reputation. They're not doing a whole lot right now. They're kind of flopping it big time. They're kind of failing it big time because they're just resting on their laurels. They're resting on their reputation. It kind of reminds me of these uh, TV shows like Restaurant Impossible uh, on Food Network or Gordon Ramsay has a show, 24 Hours to Hell and Back, where this, these restaurants are failing. Now, years ago, they were thriving, they were doing great, they, you know, had reservations that they couldn't keep up with, and business was booming, but what they've done is they've tried to rely on their reputation, 
but they haven't really moved forward. They've dropped the ball. The owner, or the owner has lost vision. The chefs have lost passion. And so the, the business is failing. And they're thinking, well, but we've been in business for 50 years. And the point is, well, you have been, but you're not going to be because you've lost focus. You're not being faithful. And so the, the expert, the chef, they'll come in with a fresh set of eyes, a new perspective, and say, hey, you need to change this. You need to update that. You need to stop doing this and start doing that if you want to stay in business. And when they listen to the expert, usually it works out great for them. I think the same is true for us as a church and for us as individual followers of Jesus. Faithfulness is the key. I want us to remain faithful to the mission and calling that God has for our church. It's the only way that we're going to survive into the future, into the unknown of what is ahead of us. You, as a follower of Jesus, we need to remain faithful, each of us, to what God is calling us to do on a daily basis. It can't just be, well, I followed God strongly years ago, and that was in the past, and now I'm just going to kind of exist. No, don't just exist, but thrive. As a church, we don't just want to exist, we want to thrive. As followers of Jesus, we don't just want to have a reputation of our faith, but we want to live an active, powerful, faithful faith. We want to, again, walk the talk. Not just say I'm a Christian or my parents were Christians or I, I own a Bible. Sometimes I read a Bible. I go to church. Now, that's reputation. We want power. We want to be effective, and that requires faithfulness. So what I want to do as we close is kind of condense all of these ideas into a single statement that I want us to have sort of as our anthem as we exit one year and enter another. So here's the statement that I just want us to grab a hold of as a summary phrase for this year. A consistent, faithful relationship with Jesus that relies on him will help you withstand anything and complete your mission to impact those around you for God's glory. Let me say that again, because that's a mouthful. A consistent, faithful relationship with Jesus that relies on Him will help you withstand anything and complete your mission to impact those around you for God's glory. Now, that is a mouthful. That is a lot to digest, and it seems like a lot to do. So let me just relieve the pressure. I'm not trying to give you more things to do. I'm trying to give you a focus on how you can live out your life of faith. And here's the thing. Like any time, like any day, like any of us, some days we're going to get this pretty close. Some days we're going to succeed on our mission. Some days we're going to stay focused and we're going to really impact people. But other days we're going to fall into self-reliance. Other days we're going to give in to fear. Other days we are going to drop the ball. Here's the thing. This is a daily goal. You hit refresh the next day, let's go again. This is a walk. This is a journey that we are on. We're not going to get it perfect really ever. We're not going to get it perfect the first time. It's going to take years, a lifetime of work and practice and effort to even try to get this thing. And so when you fail, let me give you the words of Jesus. Take heart. Don't fear. Lean into his grace. When you're weak and want to give up, Lean into God's strength. When you don't know what to do, lean into God's wisdom. When you feel that you don't, you're not adequate, you don't have what it takes, lean into the adequacy of God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus helping you, walking through this life with you. You are not alone. On your own, this task is impossible. This statement is not doable. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the guidance of 
of the Lord, through the help of Jesus Christ walking with you through this life, you can stay on mission. You will have an impact. You will make a difference in your world, in your home, in your neighborhood, at your workplace, with those around you in your circle of influence. As we have this faithful, committed relationship to Jesus that relies upon Him, we will make this mission happen. We will do what cannot be done otherwise as we lean upon Him. So, do I know what's going to happen next year? I don't. Do I like all the things that happened this year? I don't. But what I do know is that Jesus is with us every step of the way. Everything in the future, he will continue to be with us. Every step of the way of our lives, he is there. So with that said, I believe 2021 can be your best year ever. It may not be your easiest year. It may be worse on the surface than last year has been. But with Jesus on your side, with the Holy Spirit infusing your spirit, this can be your best year ever. I do believe by faith that this can be your best year, and I believe that the best is yet to come. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the year 2020. And that may seem like a weird thing to to pray or a weird thing to be thankful for, but I do thank you that every day is a blessing. Maybe that's a lesson that we've learned this year. Every moment that we have, every breath that we take is a blessing from you, and I'm thankful for them all. The good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between, the difficult, uh, the frightening, the uncertain, uh, the sad, the frustrating, all every moment, God, I thank you for it. And I thank you for these lessons that we've learned along the way this year. The things that we talked about this year still ring true at the end of this year. This crazy, uncertain, unpredictable, unprecedented year. These same truths still apply today. Help us to apply them to our lives today. As we reflect upon this uh, crazy year, help us to reflect that, hey, these things can carry us through what we're facing now and through what is yet to come. Because just like we couldn't predict 2020, we can't predict 2021. We don't know what's going to come or what it holds for any of us. But as we remain faithful to our relationship with you, we will walk with purpose. We will live on mission and we will make an impact for your glory. That is a guarantee. So I thank you and praise you for what has happened this year, the lessons learned, the wisdom gained, the strength gained, and I thank you for whatever is ahead that you are with us, and whatever happens, we're okay, because you're faithful, and we trust in you, and we believe that the best is yet to come, and we thank you for it, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Happy New Year to you. God bless you and your family. Hope you're having a great holiday right now, anticipating what is yet to come. We will be back next weekend for our first message of 2021, our first gathering, online gathering of the new year. Love you so much. Happy New Year. I pray God's blessing and favor on you. Look forward to seeing you next week for First Century Church Online. We love you so much. God bless you.